0: Thanks for joining us on episode 1,136 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast.
1: I do challenge you to invest in yourself. You know, I challenge you to invest in others in the future, even though that it is uncertain and the, the, the paths may sometimes be rocky. But in doing so, I'm hoping that it, it can develop an influence. I'm hoping that it can impact the world. Utilizing your time, uh, your talent. And treasures to live out your calling, whatever they may be. It may not even be in the same creative avenue that I've explained, but I'm hoping that it can be general enough to help you come to that conclusion. Having the ability to adapt with faith as your journey progresses is, of course, key, understanding that root of why you choose to do it in the first place. And in plugging this show, one way to be inspired is to listen to. Inspired stewardship. I guess as a TLDR, let your early work be bad and understand the tips and tricks and the the, the scheduling or the scenarios that put you into a position for growth. Don't ever stop growing. Don't ever stop wondering what you can do to, to change or vary your content.
0: Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In today's interview with Sebastian Shug, I asked Sebastian about his journey from comedy and YouTube to running a publishing company. I also asked Sebastian about how his change in business made him feel about his calling. And Sebastian also shares with you how his faith journey intersected with all of these changes. One reason I like to bring you great interviews like the one you're going to hear today is because of the power in learning from others. Another great way to learn from others is through reading books. But if you're like most people today, you find it hard to find the time to sit down and read. And that's why today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to sign up and you can get a 30-day free trial. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. And instead of reading, you can listen your way to learn from some of the greatest minds out there. That's inspiredstewardship.com audible to get your free trial. And listen to great books the same way you're listening to this podcast. Sebastian Robert Shaugh is an independent multimedia artist currently residing in suburban Burbank, California. He holds a bachelor of arts and communication studies in political science and currently spends his time narrating miscellaneous stories. He started out as a YouTuber back in 2013 and he has worked in podcasting, humor, and public speaking. Welcome to the show, Sebastian.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. We talked a little bit about it in the intro, but could you talk to us a little bit more about your journey from publishing yourself, beginning to write as a young person, and then growing a publishing company, and now doing a restart and reset where you are today?
1: Yes. So initially, I did not even begin as a publisher. I was 14 years old when I was given the chance to be hired on as a children's book illustrator. So that's where my journey began with my children's series called The Adventures of Daniel. Now, this series was in in the most succinct way possible because I've told this story so many times. (laughs) It uh, initially began uh, as one book. And after the whole working out the bugs, making it look how both myself and the original author wanted it to, Uh, it turned into a short series of five. And in that series, over the span of five years, turned into, I guess, entourage, or I don't even know what the proper terminology is, but essentially five grew into 30. Mm -hmm. And throughout those five years, uh, that was when I really started to begin writing, begin publishing other content that wasn't strictly you know, kids related and going into satire or fiction. That was where it branched off. And that was really where I established my independent publishing company or sole proprietorship as I've now started calling it, as that's the correct terminology. <laughs> uh, Cause it was only a one man gig and I had, I, I wouldn't, it was a established clientele, I would say. Authors would send their manuscripts, they would need a cover done, I would offer, you know, either ghostwriting or editing services, and it was just this neat little uh, group of people, I should say. However, all things must come to an end, and as we look at the world around us, we see that we are, in fact, in a global pandemic, currently still. And suffice to say, that really hit small businesses relatively hard, myself included. I had to dissolve the independent publishing company. And essentially, when you attach so much of your identity to a business, you end up finding yourself lost. And in my case, I did as well. The restarting, however, it it took a lot of time, but eventually I landed myself, I landed myself in a position rather where I could utilize these, these strengths and these skills that I had picked up over the past seven years of operating this company and essentially do other things with it. And that's just my, I would say arc <laughs> or retention mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. where essentially a business doesn't make the man. It's more or less what you can offer the world. And that's just where I've been currently. i Ironically, it comes full circle. I, I still do illustration, I still do my other skills that I picked up were narration, audiobook production. And that is where I am currently. It's been one heck of a ride and I'm just thankful to not be in that headspace that I was uh, over a year ago, actually. Mm-hmm.
0: So a couple of follow-up questions on that for one is where does YouTube fit into that that, that mess? Because you mentioned yeah. YouTube and, and YouTube publishing too is something that you started back in 2013. So how does that fit into that journey?
1: YouTube was an outlet that I had considered uh, again back in 2013. And it it didn't do much for me back then because the channel had no general direction. Uh, I guess the background story of that would be uh, I was a freshman in high school when I first began this YouTube channel. It was a co-op channel that I had with good friend of mine way back when and again no general direction it had miscellaneous videos that we would have on there and it wasn't until i actually got to college that i realized that it can be utilized to build an audience more so Uh, unfortunately with college i ended up getting a little bit too busy for that so i ended up abandoning it once again up until i lost the sole proprietorship, the, the publishing company. And that was only because, and the reason how I got back into YouTube is I think when individuals are particularly desperate for an outlet, they'll really try anything. And <laughs> no, really, I truthfully, truthfully, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have YouTube and by extension, the audience that I've grown on there, because they have been one of the biggest support systems I've ever come to know, that was when i started taking youtube much more seriously that was when i started to experiment more and more with the types with the type of content i was producing and slowly but surely a grew the audience b got effectively monetized on youtube and yeah now how it falls in was the fact that i Throughout my years publishing, I had spent a good majority of my time publishing audiobooks. And essentially, my channel is just that, where it's narrating certain stories on the internet for people to watch. It's just not done in the typical publishing format where you, you know, buy a book, in essence, and on YouTube. It's
0: not on on, on Audible, it's on YouTube, yeah.
1: There you go, yeah. (laughs) And and they're short stories, they're either their fan submissions or their stories that have been circulating on the internet for a while. I guess I don't have to worry about copyright, technically. I, I, technically, I
0: go- it could still be copyrighted. It's just yeah. there's a whole lot of people they'd have to go it, after.
1: There's a whole <laughs> lot of people that have to go after and it's readily available online. Yeah.
0: They have not ever protected their copyright and therefore a judge would probably say, no, you yeah. no longer have copyright. because you." Yeah,
1: Pr- pretty much. And, it's, um, it's the
0: Kleenex or Xerox problem. You
1: know, <laughs> we call...
0: Yeah. You know, we call all photocopiers Xerox. Why? Because Xerox didn't protect their trademark and copyright. And so the name Xerox came to mean photocopier and they thought that there was a good go. thing. And of course, now Xerox been, is yeah, you know, <laughs> in
1: the butt pretty much. But, but anyway, um, sorry, a little digression no, for copyright. yeah, Yeah, no, no worries. It's just become, I now I can effectively, I would say a career because technically it is a, a position where I make a good amount of money per month. Ironically, I've made more in this. Pa- I always like to say, ironically, I've made more in this past 11 to 12 months of YouTube than I have in the entirety of the seven years of publishing. Yeah,
0: but that's not, yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Which was shocking to me once I crunched the numbers, but, but yeah, no, I'd call it a career because it is something that I sure. enjoy doing, even though it is on a relatively small basis or small scale, I should say. And yeah, I- I hope to grow up more and it's just something that I, I enjoy. I, I both enjoy and I, I'm so appreciative at the feedback that I've received. It really has pulled me out of where I was. And I, I again, I can't thank people enough for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The community that was more than YouTube, but it's the, the community you had built using YouTube helped pull you out. Is that what I'm hearing correctly?
1: Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself
0: let's talk a little bit about that you mentioned it yourself when you have a business especially a sole proprietorship especially something that you poured a lot into and then it, it loses it you you have to dissolve it or you have to pivot or whatever it affects you without how do you think how do you think your faith journey how do you think you know who you are how did all of this affect your ability to actually go through that. And, you know, how did those things intersect for lack of a better,
1: I'm fumbling around the question, but you get where I'm going. yeah. I do. And and I guess to answer your question, I never really initially considered myself an incredibly faithful person. I was always, I always took the more pragmatic approach rather than the spiritual approach because Mm -hmm. I just felt like it solved many of my problems. And that was in essence what I, attempted to do with my life. I saw a problem, I attempted to solve it quickly and find out what the best way of doing it so it was. Once everything had fallen to pieces and I was left with the I was left with the shadow of an entity of what once was to put it in a perspective. You know, I think a lot of individuals it, there's no telling what individuals will do when they're particularly desperate. And I had practiced my faith before, and it definitely heightened once I realized back then, initially, that I had no sense of direction prior to to re rediscovering YouTube, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it allowed me to not only sit down with myself, but also internalize what I enjoy doing with my life having that reflection was never something that I initially had. I'm saying initially a lot because at the time of conducting business, it was a matter of just, go. it was put the pedal to the metal. Any idea is a good idea. Here I am seven years later and I know that's not the case, but, <laughs> but every idea is worth trying was my sort of two pronged approach to that. But sitting down with myself, having faith on my side and really sitting down was a way for me to internalize it, to process it and to understand that it's probably time to look at things from a different perspective, to understand that maybe I don't have to be the one in control all the time because that obviously puts a heavy burden on my shoulders. And it's something that I didn't want that needed stress alongside of losing this entity. Mm. Okay. So it, it was something that if I could just delegate that to someone else or something else and handle it as it comes, that was something that I was more so looking towards. And, and this mindset of mine, I would have never imagined to have, because again, back then it was something that there was a problem. I had to be the one, mm-hmm. no, que- no question about it. Because back then I figured that if I was the one to solve it, In the future, I I felt like I was preparing myself. I guess you could say I was terrified of what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I was extremely terrified late last year, around this general time, actually, where I didn't know where things were going to end up. And I was very, I was terrified, Mm -hmm. to put it bluntly. You know, I guess to answer your question, rediscovering these interests that I had with a combination of my faith, it was something that I'm glad it was there because if it wasn't there, I don't know where I'd be currently. So that's really the best way I could put it.
0: I think the other piece of it, and a lot of folks go through this, where you had discovered something that you were doing, and I'm not saying you didn't enjoy it. I'm not saying you didn't love it. It was something that you felt was aligned with your giftings and what you could do. Uh, calling whatever you want to give it, and yet now you've you're pivoted and you're doing something else as well. What do you think happened? Did your calling change? Did your what your direction change? Did you not have a calling before and now you do? How would you say that this journey aligns with the that idea of discovering who you are and what you're supposed to be doing, so to speak?
1: I think at the beginning I had this very I would consider standoffish approach where I felt as if publishing is my box I'm in my my box don't disturb me kind of thing <laughs> and and it didn't so much no that's a lie it did push people away and I present myself for that every day because it's not who I once was prior to the publishing entity and It's not who I am now that it's completely dissolved. There's a lot of instances in my life through the past seven years that I understandably now I know that I regret because it's just I'm ashamed of the person that I was because it's just seeing myself now and seeing the change and not putting such a heavy burden on my shoulders. I didn't know that publishing was doing that much to me mentally. And, and you never want to think that something that you love doing can be hurting you, but I would attest it much similar to an addiction, like gambling, or sex, mm-hmm. drugs, or alcohol, where it's, you think that it's, it feels good in the moment, and you can ride this high forever, essentially, but you know, God forbid. What if it comes crashing down? And thankfully for me, again, ironically, it was the crashing down and re-establishing of my of my core beliefs and my other interests that made up this entity that would pull me out of this. Mm-hmm. It would have to be the breaking down of this publishing entity into the the, the subsections. What is publishing other than writing, illustrating, narrating? Editing, putting things together. It was those subsections, not the one entity that would eventually pull me out of this. Realizing that, oh, I could have these interests on their own and it doesn't have to fall under this umbrella. I think it also assisted with my ego a little bit. It's very easy to get carried away with being the only, quote unquote, publisher on campus from sophomore year up until senior year of high school, even going into college that's essentially who i was and did it get to me a little bit i would say even though i wasn't so much primarily concerned with money but it was something that i did hold my head high and 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 pre well not preach about but people knew me on campus for that whether or not my reputation was viewed as favorable or not in the eyes of others i can't say for certain i can only hope that it wasn't too uh, off-putting uh, mm-hmm. hope that answers your question but I'm, I'm hoping that provides a general understanding of where I was versus where I am
0: yeah it, it does and and I think something you said and and I want to circle back to it it was you it sounds like you had identified yourself with the entity as opposed to the skills or, abilities or interests that kind of made up that entity. And it was a rediscovering of, wait a minute, it's not tied to my career or my title or my business. It's me. Is that, am I hearing that right? Or did I misunderstand?
1: No, that's exactly right. And I think with publishing, it was very easy for me to get uh, sidetracked into this belief that I was, quote, this title. You know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to what made up the title in the first place. Whether it be writing or illustrating, for example, two subjects that I enjoy to do, Mm -hmm. even without publishing, even without making money. I saw everything essentially as a business opportunity, which can be a real double-edged sword for Mm -hmm. the for opportunists. I was under the impression that essentially to have fun would be to waste time, mm. even if it was in the field of, of illustration or writing, you know, for example, or narrating. Because back then, I wasn't monetized on YouTube. Mm. I was not getting ad revenue for, for my, my YouTube narrations. And to put it in perspective, you have to reach a certain threshold in order to be eligible. You have to have a certain right. amount of watch hours. You have to have a certain amount of subscribers. And I was trickling out content back then Hovering around the 400 mark So it wasn't doing anything for me And mm-hmm. therefore I saw it as A waste of time Even though I genuinely enjoyed Doing it, no, I would rather focus On, you know, publishing Traditional media, like Digital books, physical books Because that's where I thought the money maker was <laughs> It's not and then, until and
0: then, yeah. yeah,
1: it's <laughs> I shed a tear When I looked at the numbers and I was like oh, Holy hell, this is Not what I was expecting, but much to the same of this new rediscovery, it was a welcome.
0: Well, and I think that's why I wanted to talk about it because I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we make with that idea of calling it twofold. Mm -hmm. And and one is we identify it with our career. My title is my calling, and it's no, that's actually it may or may not have anything to do with your career. And then part B is a lot of times we think of there is that danger of monetizing the things that you love and creating a business around them can actually detract as opposed to add value. If you're not careful, I'm not saying never monetize what you're, you know, (coughs) what your habits and, and joys are, but you have to be careful about that because it can literally suck all the joy out of life too.
1: You, you look at, you look at that, you look at something that you love in such a myopic way. And back then I can't really, I, I don't really know what was going on through my head because that is, that was my mindset. I always sure. thought it was a go, go business mentality. And it, but it you'd was, never
0: taken the time to actually stop and think about it.
1: I, and when I would, it would be as a justification of this is a business. You have to make sacrifices during a business, Sebastian. What are you, what are you doing? And when you're so inundated with social media quips about, oh, hey, this is how you run a business in the 21st century. Yeah. Hustle, hustle,
0: hustle, hustle, grind, grind.
1: How do you make an omelet? Mm, you got to break some eggs. And that was something that I wish I wouldn't have taken so seriously. And, I guess to be that person now stating this social media for me, primarily Instagram, because that's where I would get a lot of that no longer exists for me because I knew that it would be a much healthier direction. Mm -hmm. Deleting it and sticking to something with YouTube, something that I'm actually passionate about aside from either getting FOMO on Instagram, the fear of missing out or being inundated with these social cues and clauses of what society thinks that I should care about predominantly the hustle 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 culture which I want no part of it it,
0: it, it, it will remain remain nameless but there are some names that probably came to some people's minds as we've mm. talked about that because there are definitely people that that's what put out there and again I'm not going to say that that's not right for somebody but right. I'm with you right. I don't want to yeah I just don't enjoy living my life that way. So <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not a very, at least for me, it's not a very fulfilling life.
0: Earlier you mentioned that you were very pragmatic and practical and you know, like to look at things in that kind of way. Um, let me give you a chance to share with the listeners if, if you have some tips or some resources, principles, ideas that people need to hear from this, if if they're going through some of this journey themselves of trying to figure out who they are and what they want to quote unquote, what do you want to be when you grow up? And By the way, that doesn't matter how old you are. You can always <laughs> ask that question. What are some resources or some tips or ideas that you would say that they need to focus on?
1: Regarding, I would say, beginning, beginning your project, beginning your journey, I would say as bluntly as I can simply start. I've said this on a myriad of other podcasts before, but it's, sort of, I don't want to say insane, because that sort of has a negative connotation to it, but it's very surprising to see the level of expectations that are external that people place themselves under when initially beginning a project. Thinking that, for example, in my case, back then, oh, I had, I believed that I had to have the state of the art microphone, the state of the art headset audio software, upgraded to the latest software, firmware, what have you, just so I can start. Mm. When in actuality, that has nothing to do with the level of content that I would hypothetically had been producing back then. Actually, I don't even have to make it into a hypothetical, because I know the type of content I was producing back then, and it was bad. (laughs) It was very cringeworthy. And looking back on it, yeah, am I happy or proud of my early work? absolutely not, but it's it serves as a stepping stone. and that's all it is. and over time you come to more so appreciate the fact that you did it rather than oh, i wish i could have held out for something better. but in actuality, that something better is that journey and that's what you end up discovering along the way. i guess as a tldr, let your early work be bad and understand the tips and tricks and the, the, the scheduling or the scenarios that put you into a position for growth. Mm-hmm. Don't ever stop growing. Don't ever stop wondering what you can do to, to change or vary your content. And if you have no content, and if this is your uh, the genesis of doing so, take your idea, put it out there. If it sticks, great. If it doesn't, okay. Then ask yourself why you became an artist. Was it to create for yourself? Was it to create for other people? I used to humorously chastise those who created under the guise of doing something better for something like society, because initially I felt that doing so would put those expectations on your shoulders and thereby not produce the product that you yourself as an artist wanted to create. I always told myself in the beginning that artists and creatives should never create anything unless they were genuinely inspired to do. However, I know that that opinion is controversial and puts it in a box of, hey, you should do these things because you like doing it. But over time, I understood the the benefits of doing that because why else would you create? unless mm-hmm. you yourself found that spark of imagination which every artist has to have I would imagine you know it shouldn't be like this soulless corporate void but that's in a nutshell that's my basic advice and in tandem keep doing it understand what your strengths and your weaknesses are and if you can go with reckless abandon because <laughs> it's good to make mistakes mm-hmm. uh, do so in a do so in a manner that doesn't impede others or hurt others experiment is
0: yeah I I, I one of the things that I, I tell people when they're especially when they're getting started with the business idea is fail fast fail early but don't fail fatal yep another it's great to make little mistakes and do them often but you don't want to walk up to the poker table and be like James bond and be like I'm all in but this is a if I lose I'm done kind of thing so it's it is an interesting balancing act to recognize that yeah. when you're when you're experimenting.
1: There was I always look back to Thomas Edison's quote: "I've not failed; I've just found ten thousand ways that ways. don't that won't work." It's one of those instances where it's just ten thousand. That's a big number. You're probably going to see much bigger numbers than that, or not. But that all depends on whether or not you choose to start. So mm-hmm. I, I hope you do.
0: You can follow Sebastian on YouTube as CBass Official or find him over on his website at sebastianshug.com. He's also active on LinkedIn as Sebastian R. Shug, and that's spelled S-C-H-U-G, and I'll have links to all of that over in the show notes as well. Sebastian, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener?
1: Yes. Scott, my friend, I just wanted to take this time and say that... Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate